Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. It is good to see all of you enjoying each other. If, you, if there are people you still want to catch up with, don't, don't forget we have the coffee hour downstairs following the service and um, chances to, to hang out together more. But it is good to be the family of God, isn't it? And to be able to spend time with each other. God has been... Um, even a lot in this church, and it's good to see him deepening relationships and our care for one another. So as we turn again to the book of Jonah, let me pray for us as we get started. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you that you are a God who wants to be in relationship with us. You are the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are in relationship within the Godhead, and you, you had so much love that you poured it out on others to bring us into relationship with you as well. Lord, help us to tear down our walls, take off our masks, and be friends with one another, not only friends, but brothers and sisters in the family of God. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us now, awaken us to your holy word, help us to to sense your presence and, and to sense your call on our lives. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we begin, we just sang the song, Eternal Father, Strong to Save for Those in Peril on the Sea. We thought that was a good hymn to set the stage for Jonah today as he gets in peril on the sea. Uh, First, we're going to check out who is the Lord of the sea through Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the, the world is established Firm and secure, your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. And turning over to Jonah, we did the first three verses last week. This is Jonah 1, verses 4 to 6. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I had a friend when I was in college who had grown up in a Christian home, had had done all the right things, and when he got to college, it was like finally he found freedom and he got to do whatever he wanted to do. 
He was partying, he was doing all kinds of crazy things. And I talked to the university staff worker that, that was over his area and, and I said, hey, you, you should check in on this guy. And the staff worker looked at me like, him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but I knew that God had a, a hand on his life. And then suddenly, so he's, he's just doing all kinds of crazy things not about God. Uh, he got really annoyed with this one kid and he and some other friends decided to teach this kid a lesson. So they took him out and they were uh, just going to do something to harass him. Uh, but they accidentally dropped him on his head while they were doing this. And the kid had a seizure. And, my, and this, this friend um, was arrested for a felony and with all the guys that, that were with him. It d destroyed his life. What he thought was destruction of his life. But it truly was a storm brought by God. He had brought it on himself through his own sin, and yet God used it to turn his life around. Suddenly, he realized that everything he'd been putting his hope in, everything that was his plan, was falling apart. But God had a completely different plan in mind. He changed his major from, from something that was the, you know, what he thought was the successful thing to something that was really on his heart. He started to go to university and started to come back to the Lord and, and find forgiveness and redemption for what he had done. He met his wife through university and, 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 and then after graduation started his own business and is doing really well. He's an elder in his church now and, and a leader among um, youth ministry nationwide for, for his church. And it's amazing to see how God took this, this destructive moment of his life to stop him in his tracks and to turn the course of his life so that now he's living for the Lord and glorifying him. And he will point to that moment where it looked like all hope was lost as the pivotal moment to bring him back to the Lord. Jonah faces a storm like that. Jonah has absolutely rebelled against God. He's left everything that was familiar. God said, go up, and he went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the port. He went down to the boat. And now in this, in this short passage, we see him not only go down to the, to the boat, he goes down into the boat, and he goes, lays down and goes to sleep. But God has a different plan. God is going to, to, to change the course of his life. It feels like God is, is trying to destroy Jonah, but what he's trying to do is stop him in his tracks. There are times in our lives that it feels like God is, is, is out to get us, but what he's often trying to do is get our attention and invite us back into, into walking a path with God. We are, are called to be faithful to the Lord, and, and sometimes he has to discipline us to bring us back to him. So as we look through this passage today, we're going to see how God uses, uh, uses a storm and even uses pagan sailors to remind Jonah who God is and how much God has placed his hand on Jonah's life. And God has put his hand on your life as well. And he's calling you to look to, to the Lord no matter what storms you face. Because he promises that the, our great comforter, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ himself, who took on the storms of God to save us. Jesus is with us every step of this way. 
So as we look at this, this passage, we see that Jonah now has, has completely disobeyed God, has said, you know what, God, that's a lovely plan, but I don't want any part of it. And he hightails it west when God wants him to go east. And what does God do? He sends a storm. It says in the NIV, the real Greek word is he hurls a storm. It's like hurling a javelin. It's this, it's this active, aggressive moment that this storm is sent against Jonah to stop him in his tracks. As, as, as Jonah has sought to take comfort in, in, in this boat and in this direction that is opposite of God, God decides to break, start to break up the boat so that he has to go back. God is, is directly attacking the thing that he is putting his mo most trust in. It's interesting, Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal Prophet, I highly recommend it. It's been a really great read. Uh, but he, he makes the point that, that, that this storm is a result, uh, is, is caused by Jonah's sin, is because of Jonah's rebellion. Now, not all, all storms are caused by sin. Uh, that we read the whole book of Job it, that makes that point. Job was a righteous man, and he faced a horrible storm in his life as, as his family is killed and all kinds of other things, and it was not because he was rebelling against God. But Keller makes this point. That the Bible does not say that every difficulty is the result of sin, but it does teach that every sin will bring you into difficulty. As we sin against God, as we turn the opposite way from what he calls us to do, God wants to stop us where we're heading so that we'll turn back to him. And that sin has consequences. We see the consequences of the fall everywhere we go. Adam and Eve sinned. I swear, mosquitoes are a result of the fall. <laughs> but, but there are consequences from their original sin and from all the things that we do. We live in a very broken and fallen world. And we can see the consequences of decisions that are not made toward God all around us. So here in this moment, this storm has been hurled against Jonah. And it's not only affecting Jonah. It's affecting the people around him. Here he is, these, these innocent sailors who thought they were just doing their job. Suddenly, because of Jonah, they are, are, are in peril themselves. And, and they're so afraid. Like, these, these sailors know that there's something big here happening that, that is unusual. They know that the ship is about to break apart and they start throwing cargo overboard so that the, the, the boat will, will ride higher in the water and won't, won't take on so much water and, and threaten to sink. But God doesn't give up on Jonah. God hasn't given up. He loves Jonah. Eric Mason makes this point. This is God loving Jonah. Be afraid if God is no longer after you. When God is pursuing us, when he is after us, even when it feels horrible, God is doing that because he wants, us to, wants to bring us back into a place of safety. God often uses storms in our life, even if they're not caused by our own sin, if they're just caused be, because this world is broken. God can use every single storm to bring us closer to him. Um, Keller says, storms may wake us up to the truths we may otherwise never see. Storms can develop faith, hope, love, patience, humility, and self-control in us that nothing else can. Think about a tree that is, has very shallow roots. 
If it never faces any storms, it doesn't have this incentive to dig those roots down. If the water is always close to the surface, the roots are always close to the surface. But if the surface dries up, the roots have to sink deeper and seek more for water. So when a big storm comes up, they have the deep roots that will help that tree stay strong and steady, even in strong wind. We are the same way. If we, if we have an easy life, if we think this is great, our roots stay shallow and on the surface. But when something happens that is a great difficulty, we, we don't have the depth, we don't have the connection to the bedrock of Jesus Christ, and we're going to get blown over by the storm. So sometimes the storms are to strengthen us. Sometimes they're to get, get our attention. Sometimes they're about someone else. But God can use every single storm to, to help us grow in our faith, help us grow on our reliance on God. <laughs> Doesn't it bug you? Well, we're supposed to lean on Jesus Christ, so he keeps knocking us off balance. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to have to be off balance all the time, but God is saying, I'm right here. Lean on me. So here's Jonah in complete rebellion, but he is so numb to the, the call of God that he goes to sleep, even in this place where, where the whole ship is breaking apart. Have you ever been so down and so discouraged and so isolated from God that all you want to do is curl up and go to sleep? It is easy to do that. But it's really interesting to see who prevents him from doing that, who prevents him from staying asleep. It's the sailors. It's the pagan sailors who are all praying after their own gods. And yet they know that Jonah needs to wake up. In, in narratives, we, we've talked before um, as we've gone through the Gospels, often the, the, the Gospels and, and different books of the Bible are written, they're kind of like a director's cut of a movie. You might have all of the same footage, but the way that you cut it shows you different things. Jonah is very, very carefully cut. It's very carefully constructed narrative. And so the sailors here are, are the foil to Jonah. You, you think Jonah is supposed to, you know, go up to Nineveh and begins to pray. And here the pagans are telling Jonah to pray. So Jonah is like the anti-hero. So the foil are people that you would never think would seek God. And yet it turns out that they're the ones who are calling Jonah to seek God. It's a, it's a powerful contrast as we, we see these people who may never have even heard of Yahweh are, are now reminding the prophet of Yahweh to call on his God. But as, as the, the captain comes to him, he says, arise, call on your God. In the Hebrew, the first two words that God says to Jonah are arise and call. And now here, the pagan is literally quoting God, arise and call. There is this amazing synergy between what God is saying and what the pagans are saying to him, that, that God will not let this message die, and he's even putting it in the mouths of the pagans. Arise and call. And Jonah realizes, of course, we'll go into this more next week, uh, what, whose fault this is. He knows it's his fault, and he's trying to, to escape from it. He's trying to numb himself out, but he can't get away from it at all. It's really interesting to think about Jonah um, and his relationship with these Gentiles, that, that he, he really doesn't want anything to do with Gentiles at all. Uh, Keller points out, um, Jonah fled because he did not want to work for the good of the pagans. 
He wanted to serve exclusively the interests of the believers. But God shows him here that he is the God of all people, and Jonah needs to see himself as a part of the whole human community, not just a member of the faith community. So God is letting him see that the original command was go to Nineveh and call them to repent. And now, here we have these, these Gentiles, just the same as the Ninevites, these Gentiles who have no reason to call upon Yahweh, and yet suddenly they are the ones who need Yahweh's help. They need the help of God to intervene and to save their lives. They, have been, they, they don't know that they need God, and now suddenly they realize in the midst of the supernatural storm. But does Jonah care? Jonah, Jonah has completely numbed himself out from the needs of the Ninevites and now even of the sailors whose lives are in danger because of him. As Keller pointed out, Jonah is not interested in helping anybody but Jews, and now it's specifically the non-Jews that need his help. Is he, is he going to care? God is not going to let him get away with not caring. He's going to make him care. When, when it is interesting to think about the role of the church in blessing the world around us. In the, the book of Jeremiah in 29, you probably have all heard Jeremiah 29, 11, where I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. We, we hold on to that verse, but we forget the verse just a few, uh, a few verses earlier. That, so this all of Israel's in exile in Jeremiah. And he says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God has called Abraham to be blessed, to be a blessing to the nations. God called the, the Israelites, even when they were in exile, to be blessed, to be a blessing to the nations. He's calling Jonah to be a blessing to the nations, and Jonah doesn't want anything to do with it. How is he calling us as a church? He wants us to be a blessing to our community, even the ones that we think, we talked about this last week, the ones who we think would never deserve the grace of God. God is calling us to bless them. And it's interesting to think how sometimes they are calling the church to step up. They need the church to wake up. What if everybody in the church had a heart to serve the lost? What if everybody in every church in Pittsburgh suddenly stopped serving the institution of the church and started serving out there? What would our communities look like if we did that? Eric Mason said in the video, this is an unbeliever calling him out to arise. The world is waiting for the church to stand up, to wake up, to respond to God in biblical obedience. What would it look like if we lived out the Sermon on the Mount in Pittsburgh? What would it look like if we followed the Lord and had his heart for the non-believers like, like God is calling Jonah to do? It is easy to choose sleep over that kind of heartache and over that kind of struggle. One of my friends is a pastor in Colorado. A few of you have met him before, Doug Ressler. He led a session retreat for us last year. Uh, he has a relationship with a, a group in Ethiopia that trains church planters. And he posted this picture of himself standing next to a woman pastor who, Hirut was her name. She, she told him that perse uh, persecution is actually a blessing because it keeps her leaning on the Lord. 
This amazing woman was being persecuted and yet was brave enough to go into a community that was all Muslim. And she planted a church and now there are 120 people in this little village church, 70 of whom are former Muslims. And then they, of course, still get persecuted by all of the the folks that want to bring their family back to to their gods. But she is willing to to stand up, to go into places where the last thing they want is a woman, a pastor, and somebody who's going to bring people out of, of the Islamic faith and into Christian faith. God was using her to reach the, the nations, to reach people who would never have anything to do with God. And yet that is where God has his heart. Well, throughout the book of Jonah, we're seeing God's missionary heart. He, he is a God who sends his own son, he sends individuals, and he sends us as a church to go out and to serve him. So our question, of course, in that is, who is our neighbor? When you think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritans, we think, you know, usually now when we think Samaritan, we think Good Samaritan is a good guy. But at that time when that story was written, the Samaritans were like this lesser, you know, kind of half-breed. Uh, they, were, they weren't even allowed to, to eat and drink with, other, with, with the Jewish community. And yet Jesus turns the story on its head. He tells the story of the priest and the Levite as doing the wrong thing, but it's the good Samaritan that does the right thing. And that's when he says, so who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? God is calling us, no matter what the people look like or sound like or or act like, none of us deserve the grace of God. God's calling us to reach out to them and to show the love of God. And we need to repent from being asleep. Ephesians 5.14, Mason quotes this one. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ doesn't just shine on you for for your own sake. He shines on you so that like the moon, you will reflect his light on the people around you. It's interesting to think about as we we think about the sailors being a foil to Jonah. They are kind of the opposite in what he should be. Jesus Christ is also a foil to Jonah. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the call that Jonah had on his life. Jesus, God told Jonah to go up. God told Jesus to go down. And Jesus obeyed. He went down from heaven into earth. He was willing to be obedient to the Lord, to people who did not deserve love and grace and forgiveness. He was willing to be obedient even unto death. He is the one who called the people to repent. Some listened to him and some turned on him and killed him. Jesus was the one who had the strength to calm the storm and he saved his his disciples from the storm. He's also the one who was willing and able to take the storm aimed at us for our sin and our rebellion. Jesus took that storm and Jesus allowed himself to be thrown into the sea, as it were. As he says, this is the only sign you're going to get. It is the sign of Jonah, who was in the, in, in the whale for three days. Here we see Jesus Christ was the one who was willing to take the consequences of that storm for all of our sin and take the consequences of being thrown to the depths 
so that the power of sin and the power of death would be conquered, that he would rise again from the dead, that all of us may be saved. We are not worthy. None of us are worthy. Not anybody out there, but especially not anybody in here is worthy of the grace that God has for us. We were all deserve that storm. We all deserve to be thrown out of the boat, but Jesus allowed himself to be the one thrown out of the boat so that we would be saved. Brothers and sisters, this is the God that we worship, the God who was willing to take on all of the consequences of our sin so that we might be set free, so that we might be lifted up to be forgiven, to be clothed in his robes of righteousness, so that the, the, his light can shine on us so that we can go out to the world to say, this is how far away I was. But God brought me back, and he can bring you back from wherever you are, back to Jesus Christ, back to right relationship with him. We are always Jonah in this story. Jesus is the one who is the opposite. Jesus is the one who cares about the great city of Nineveh. He cares about the great city of Pittsburgh. He cares about you as individuals. He cares about your neighbor. The person working in the shop, he's, he cares about your car mechanic. He cares about every single person that you encounter. Let us, as with Ephesians, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine through you so that Christ may shine his light on this entire world. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for your power and your life. We know that we deserve the wrath of God. We know that we deserve storms and winds and waves. Lord, forgive us for all the ways that we have sought after things to, to find our comfort and safety in. We've sought our boats. We've sought our paths west instead of east. Forgive us, Lord, for our disobedience. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we have sinned against you. Lord, we know it is because of your grace of your light, that we are set free from this body of sin and death. We are set free from this rebellious spirit that has been upon us. Lord, break the power of the spirit of rebellion over us so that we can joyfully serve you and not just serve you, but be sent by you to serve others so that we can shine your light on them as well. And Lord, we know that there are many people who are facing storms right now, and we ask that you would be present with them in the storm, that you would say, peace be still, so that they can, can be at rest in you. Lord, we pray for B and Leon, and thank you for the, them and their family and for BB, and we pray that you would be with all of them now as they, they grieve her loss. We thank you for uh, Lexi and Avery and for the way that you've delivered them through a horrible storm this week, and that they can be singing your praises today. What an amazing testimony to your faithfulness. Lord, there are many others among us who are facing illness, who are facing storms of, of depression and anxiety, who are facing storms of, of uncertainty and fear of the future. Lord, we pray that you would calm those storms as well. We thank you that you have taken these storms upon yourself, that we might have peace. Lord, we seek your face. We thank you for your presence with us, and we trust that your peace that passes understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Lord, you call us your dearly beloved children, adopted from a world of orphans so that we can belong to your family. And we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise now as we affirm our faith in Christ through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.